a word we've all heard before at least once in our life, strongholds. The battle on the inside. Most of us think that the enemy comes at us from the outside, but a lot of the battles we face come from right inside of us. Stronghold, a fortified place of security or survival. If you've ever seen a castle, you've seen a stronghold. If you've ever been to Fort Boonesboro or Fort Herod, you've seen a stronghold. A place to protect yourself, good or bad. The very word fortification in the Latin half of the word is fortis, which means strong. The other half is facere, which is to make. Fortification is to make strong. Mankind learned early in our history that in order to protect a piece of land, you needed to fortify it. In order to protect something, you've got to fortify it. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, a verse that is well known that we've heard it before. We've quoted all the time. Verse 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, I don't have to ask you to come and move because we already feel and sense that your spirit is here. But God, I pray that there would be an anointing upon me, anoint my lips to speak your word because your word is already anointed, God. And I pray that you'd anoint the ears of every person that is under the sound of my voice, that I would speak only what you'd have for me to speak, no more, no less. Have your way in this house, and I pray that your word would uncover what Satan has been trying to do in our lives. And I ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. There's two things that we need to understand about a stronghold. First of all, a stronghold is only a threat if there are enemies inside. A stronghold can also be a place of comfort or a safe place. In 2 Samuel chapter 22, verses 2 through 3, David saying, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. He is my refuge, my savior, the one who saves me from violence. David went on in Psalms 9 to say, The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. In Psalms 144, he says, He is my loving ally and my fortress, my tower of safety, my rescuer. He is my shield, and I take refuge in him. He makes the nation submit to me. Secondly, when we're talking about the enemy in a stronghold, a stronghold is a place, not a person. A stronghold is a place, not a person. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So if a stronghold isn't a person, what is it? A spiritual stronghold is a pattern of thought that becomes a habit built into one's thought life. I'm going to repeat that. A spiritual stronghold is a pattern of thought that becomes a habit built 
into one's thought life. One person said, the mind is the citadel to the soul. Whoever controls the mind controls a very strategic place. Romans 8, chapter 8, verses 5 through 6 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Boy, look at the control that we have over the life that we would potentially want to have. We want life and peace. God, help us not to be so carnally minded. Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, As he thinks in his heart, so is he. Matthew 12, 34 through 35, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Max Lucado described a stronghold like this. Seasons come and go, and this Loch Ness monster still lurks in the watery lake bottom of your soul. He won't go away. He lives up to both sides of his compound name, Loch Ness. Strong enough to grip like a vice and stubborn enough to hold on. He clings like a bear trap. The harder you shake, the more it hurts. By now, I'd say your mind is already starting to itemize something in your life that you can relate to. You see, in ancient days, strongholds were also storage places for holding food, water, and weapons. I really want you to listen to what I'm fixing to say. Strongholds get stronger as more stuff, more thought gets stored there. Strongholds get stronger the more you add to it. You see, a stronghold in the old days, the more weapons they had, the more food they had, the longer they could live in there. When they ran out of food, because a lot of times what the armies would do, they would surround the stronghold until they would starve them to death because they couldn't exit the castle or the citadel, and so the people would just starve to death. The longer they had, the, the more food they have, the more weapons they have, the more supplies they have, the longer they stay there. The longer you think wrong, the more you listen to wrong, the more you put in wrong, the longer the wrong can control you. Carnally or spiritually, to be carnally minded is to death. The more carnal we become, the more that the enemy chooses to destroy us from that stronghold and from the inside out. But the more spiritually minded we become, the more life and peace we have. Because if we're carnal minded, the enemy is in our stronghold. But if we're spiritual minded, it's the Holy Spirit inside of us that is protecting us and giving us life and peace. Stronghold is a way of thinking and feeling that has developed a life of its own in a person. A stronghold keeps a person from thinking clearly, accepting the truth, repenting of sin, and receiving deliverance. It can keep an unbeliever from hearing the good news, but it can also keep a believer from hearing the fullness of the good news. 
Many a time I've seen the Spirit of God moving so strong upon a person while service is going on, and you just see him slip right out the door. It's a stronghold. It's a bondage that the enemy doesn't want them to receive the fullness of God. What happens is when we continually fail, because see, we have all tried at some time or another to tear down the strongholds in our life, be it big or small. Think of the worst thing it could be and think of the least thing it could be as much of a short temper. That's a stronghold just as much as someone that's addicted to drugs if you can't control your temper. It's the same to God. And it eventually will cause destruction to you. But see, what happens is when we continually fail, we try to overcome, we try to knock down these strongholds of our life. We try to do it on our own. We fail and we can't overcome it. So what we do is we just assume it's a personality problem. Well, it took, it after, took after mom or dad. It's, that's what the problem is. We make excuses for ourselves to compensate the issue. We start to learn to live miserably with the problem of it living inside of us. How many times have you just decided that you're going to live with that thing that you just can't overcome and assume that it's God's will for that to be part of your life? Oh, that's just my thorn in the flesh, so I'm just going to keep it. This problem that I keep falling into and I can't get out of, that's just my thorn in the flesh. You don't know that the enemy is building a stronghold inside of you. And the reason why you can only get so far like a dog to a chain, he runs and all of a sudden he gets stopped and jerked back and choked because he can only get so close to God because that stronghold has him bound. What is in our life tonight? What has us around the neck that's keeping us from getting to where God wants us to be? He wants us all. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 says, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, and your mind. God wants your mind. Why is the mind so special? Well, look in Ephesians when he talks about putting on the whole armor of God. He talks about putting on the helmet of salvation. He wants your understanding of him to be protected. Once you know you're saved, he wants you to be confident in your salvation. He wants you to be confident in who he is. You've got to protect this up here. Well, we've got a problem. What's the solution? The first thing we've got to do is we've got to admit. The hardest thing in the world is to admit that we have a weakness, that we have a problem. That's why we hide it. That's why we try to deny it. We can't overcome it. And we try to act like it's not there. Whatever it is. Satan want us, doesn't want us to even recognize it. That's the crazy thing. Satan is always against you, but until you try to overcome something, he's all of a sudden your friend. He'll tell you, don't worry about that. That's not no big deal. God's not going to worry about that. That's, God's not concerned about that problem. God's not concerned about that. Just keep on going. Don't worry about it. That's what the enemy all of a sudden becomes your friend when you know he's got a hold of you. David said in Psalms 26.2, I pray that we all have to pray this. He said, examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and try my heart. Search me, God, 
He said, just let me open up and you come in and tell me what's wrong. There's times when through the week when the baby's crying and Aaron needs his homework done and the clothes is on the floor and my wife is doing all she can and she says, I would die if somebody came to this door right now. The house is upside down. What if God came knocking at your door at the spare moment in the middle of the week when you weren't thinking about him? What would he see? If he wanted to come and inspect, it's his temple. Remember this. You were bought with a price, so you don't own yourself. You're owned by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The blood of Jesus paid the price for this temple and for you. Try me, Lord. Try my mind and try my heart. Search me, God. If there's anything in my life that is unlike you, show me so that I can repent. God can't take from you what you don't give. As a child going to the kitchen cabinet and grabbing a knife and the child is holding it by the blade, you can't pull the knife away from the child because you're going to hurt it. God cannot take from you what you aren't willing to give. Isaiah 25, 11 through 12 talks about pride. A lot of times it's pride that keeps us holding on to what is inside of us. It's pride that says, I'm not letting nobody come in and see my house looking like this. I'm not letting, I'm not going to let nobody see me. I can hear my grandmother say this. I'm not walking out until I got makeup on. Ain't nobody can see me without makeup on. <laughs> Isaiah 25, 11 through 12 says this, and he will spread out his hands in their midst as a swimmer reaches out to swim. Talking about God, he said, he will bring down their pride together with the trickery of their hands. The fortress of the high fort of your walls, he will bring down, lay low and bring to the ground down to the dust. James 4, 6 through 7 says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, we are to submit to God, resist the devil, and the devil will flee. But see, what happens is we get it backwards. We just decide that we're going to resist the devil before we submit to God. And that reminds me of a story in Acts about the seven sons of Sceva who were the Jewish priest's sons, and they watched Paul cast demons out of people. And they didn't necessarily believe in Jesus and believe in all that. They just wanted to do what he did. So they decided they were going to try to cast demons out and it didn't work. And the demonic people overtook them and almost killed them. And they didn't know what was going on. The demon said to the sons, well, Paul, I know, and Jesus, I know, but who in the world are you? They hadn't submitted and they hadn't received Jesus. They hadn't accepted it. Don't go fighting the devil until you've submitted to God first because you can't fight him in your power because the Bible says it's not by our might, it is not by our power, but it is only by the spirit of God that you can do anything. We fail a lot of times because we don't submit to God first. He gives us the power. He gives us the strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, not through me. Have you 
given up on trying to tear down the stronghold in your life? Have you tried to go through the front gate and it won't open? Have you tried to climb the wall and it just won't happen? In 2 Samuel chapter 5, David was on his way to Israel to take the city. But the Jebusites were in the stronghold of the city. There was a stronghold there in Israel before it was God's. And the people in the stronghold, they taunted David. and They said, you're never going to get in here. But the captain of David's army, Joab, broke through a tunnel that led to a spring and opened the gates to the city and David conquered the city. Can I tell you, in spite of the fact that we may have tried over and over to try to overcome the things that have holding us back, he will make a way where there seems to be no way. His word says that. But are we seeking his face to know his will? He will make a way when there seems to be no way. Doctors may say, well, there's no hope for your case. There's no hope for your mind. There's no hope for what you're dealing with. That's man's words. But God's word says, I will make a way. He said, I am. I am exactly what you need. He said, I am that I am. What you need, he is. His name is a universal name. It means fit his name in your need, and that's what he will be for you. Amen? In Joshua chapter 6, Joshua was faced with the walls of Jericho. They didn't go bursting at the door. The Lord told them to march around the walls once a day for six days. And on the seventh day, march around seven times. And the seventh time, blow the horn. The priests would blow the horn and shout. And that's exactly what they did. And we know the walls came down. They had the victory. But I want you to understand something. I, I read something as I was studying about this profound. It opened my eyes up because we've heard this story told so many times that we see the physical walls come down and we see the people of God come in and take victory. But there was something spiritual that was happening. You see, they, listen to this, they cut off that city from its supplies. Because the city of Jericho, I believe when they knew that the people of God were coming, the Bible actually says that they shut the walls. No one's coming in, no one's going out. In the physical realm, like I said earlier, eventually they were going to starve. Eventually they were going to run out of supply. But there was still a spiritual force that was feeding them inside of there. So God spoke to the people of God. God spoke to Joshua and they marched around. They cut off that city from its supplies from the realm of darkness. As the power of faith grew in the hearts of the marching people, the power of the walls of Jericho grew weak. You see, what they were doing physically, God was doing something spiritually. As they walked around quietly with faith, God was circling around them with the armies of God. And they were cutting off the darkness that was feeding in there. The walls became weak spiritually and the walls came down because they obeyed God. They walked around and they walked around in praise. This is a statement that's been said before, but I feel the need to say it again if it's just for myself. For six days, they walked around quietly because sometimes you can talk yourself into doubt. You can talk yourself out of faith and into doubt. I think it's profound. I think it was, there was a reason why God told them for six days, walk around and don't say a word. 
Because what they would have said to each other is, look how big these walls are. I don't see how this is going to happen. This is ridiculous. What are we doing? Joshua, he must be crazy. Like they said to Moses, what has he got us doing? We're at the Red Sea. We've been better off to go back and die in Egypt. But God said, close your mouth because I know what's going to come out. And I got something to do here. So just be quiet for six days. And all of a sudden their faith began to rise. It's time for us to be, if you can't say something good, don't say something at all. It's time for us, if we can't speak faith, don't say anything. Don't say anything. Because you're going to mess up what God wants to do. Oh, let's keep quiet when, 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 he, when we want to talk doubt. And let's open the word of God and let's speak the word of God in spite of how we feel. It may look like it's the worst case scenario. It may like you're, look like you're not coming out of this. But all I know is if God's word is real, we have to apply it. We have to use what we are studying. We have to speak what we know is to be true. What are the options? God said it. Whether we believe it or not, it's true. Let's silence our doubt. Speak the word of God, no matter how we feel and watch the hand of God move. And on the seventh day, they praised him. They worshiped him. You know why? Because they said, I know why God had us to walk around quiet because he knew what was gonna come out. And all of a sudden faith came up, faith arose and they shouted and the walls came down. That's how God works. Psalms 32, seven says, you are my hiding place, Lord. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. For every negative stronghold, there's a powerful way to surround it with opposite truth from God. If you're struggling with a stronghold of depression, surround it with hope from the word of God. If you're struggling with a stronghold of rejection, surround it with acceptance from the Lord. If you're struggling with the stronghold of anger from past hurt, surround it with the forgiveness that God has given us freely. If you're struggling with the stronghold of fear, surround it with the knowledge of God and his love. Because he says, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but I've given you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. If the stronghold is rejection, Think about the fact that Jesus died on the cross for the world. He accepted you before you even knew him. Peter had a stronghold of pride. Jesus said, you all are going to scatter. Peter said, I'm not going to deny you. I'm not going to do that. Man, I'm the best disciple that you have. I'm not going to do that. Jesus got taken away. Peter stood off to the side, denied him, just like he said he wouldn't do. He secluded himself back and watched Jesus. He secluded himself in that stronghold. Elijah, after he had seen the fire of God fall down from heaven and won the victory, he had to have some type of root of fear inside because he secluded himself in fear when Jezebel said, I'm coming to get you. So he ran away to a mountain and secluded himself in fear. I think about greed. There was a rich young ruler who came and asked, what can I do to inherit the kingdom of God? 
and he was told, sell all you have and give it to the poor. And he left sad, that stronghold of greed. But there's, there's a couple of strongholds that I've really, the Spirit of God has allowed me to narrow down on. Number one, generational bondages. Some people would say generational curses. I want us to look at Acts chapter 7. Verses 54 through 60. A man of God named Stephen was preaching about Jesus and the religious leaders didn't like it. They hated it because it went against what they believed and what uplifted them. So they took Stephen out to stone him. And Stephen kept worshiping God. Verse 54 says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he being full of the spirit, he, Stephen, looking up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and saw Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, behold, I see the heavens open and the son of man standing on the right hand of God. Then they, the religious leaders, cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears. They didn't want to hear it. And they ran up on him with one accord, cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. The Bible says they continued to stone Stephen, and Stephen went to heaven. Verse 58, once again. And the witnesses and the religious leaders that were stoning Stephen took off their coats, and they laid it at a young man's feet named Saul. That young man watched these religious leaders live a life that was not of God. That young man grew up in a lifestyle that was ungodly, that was unbiblical, that was deadly. But he grew up and that's all he knew. That's all Saul knew was those who followed the way, that's what they called it. If you didn't follow Moses' law and someone came into their picture and tried to change them, which was Jesus, and they didn't like it. So anyone that didn't follow them, they were told they deserved to die. So Saul grew up and thought, well, anybody that wants to go against the religious leaders, I'm going to kill them because that's all I know. He's seen this. But this Saul is the same one who one day was on his way to Damascus to kill some people who follow Jesus. And the Lord Jesus met him on the road, blinded him and said, who do you think you are? You're not fighting people, you're fighting against me. And it was on that day that the light of Jesus shone in the darkness, in the darkness of Saul, because of that generational bondage, he seen nothing but murder. That's all he knew, and it was embedded, embedded in him. But it took the power and the light of Jesus to shine on that darkness. The Bible says that Saul was blinded. Jesus said, your name, he, well, later on, his name was changed to Paul. He got to a man's house that was scared to death because the Lord told the man, this man that kills Christians is coming to you. 
And when you get there, tell him this and that. And he got there and he prayed. And the Bible says that scales fell off of Saul's eyes. That was the stronghold coming down of generational bondage and generational curses. Don't tell me just because you were raised in a family of addiction. Don't tell me just because you were raised in a family of sin and perversion and ungodliness, a broken home. That doesn't dictate your life. That doesn't dictate your life, church. Jesus makes us new. He sets us free. It's his light that shines on us. And if we have the problems that our parents has, just all it takes is one experience with the Savior. All it takes is one time for him to shine his light on your heart. Try me, O Lord. Open my heart and my mind. Look at me, God. What is wrong? And if you see wrong, God, show me how to fix it in your word. That's all it takes. Amen. Amen. Lastly, offense. Offense. I don't have to ask you if you've ever been offended with someone because I'm sure every one of us has been offended with someone before. Offense is a stronghold. Probably, we would probably put that on the smallest problem because we all get offended by something. But what happens is when you get offended by not just someone that's not saved, but a brother and sister in the Lord, you hold a grudge. And all of a sudden there's a stronghold that builds around that grudge. And they don't even know that they've done wrong because you didn't do what the Bible says. When someone offends you, you go to the person and you tell them in love, Well, if they don't accept you, take another person and they witness. And after a few times, if not, then you say, I forgive you. Have a good life because I'm living it for God. But what we don't do that. So we hold on to that grudge. We hold on to that offense. And all of a sudden we're living a life of pure torture because of someone that has hurt us. And sometimes rightfully so. Sometimes we can wait out and say, you know what? I'm right. They're wrong. I'm not letting it go until I get an apology Forget about it. Somebody would say, I'm going to heaven. They're going to hell, so I'm not going to see them in heaven anyways. I've heard that. And there's a very good chance it would be the opposite. These strongholds of offense have no place in a child of God. I'm try to wrap this up, but I think about David and King Saul out of the whole Bible, other than Jesus on the cross saying, Lord, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Jesus, out of all people, had the right to call down angels to kill every person that he was looking at. Saul wasn't supposed to be king, but they prayed and God made him king. David was who God wanted to be king. All David did was obey God, but it just ate at Saul because he just had this wrong spirit. And Saul had bitterness and he had grudge towards David. Saul tried to kill David, but look in the Bible. Not one time did David try to backbite Saul. He didn't, David didn't try to kill. In fact, he was hurt. He was cut to the heart. Even down to when, when one of the men came to David and said, I killed Saul. I killed Saul. David said, now you're going to die because you killed an anointed man of God. 
talk about forgiveness. And God said David was a man after God's own heart. That should parallel us. No, it's not easy. But once again, not only can I, not only can I believe for healing, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Well, I can forgive through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Try it. Unforgiveness from past hurt is probably one of the biggest strongholds in our lives. And until we learn to forgive that person, and sometimes that person may be long gone, but in your heart, you have to trust God enough to say, God, I forgive this person for what they've done to me. My life has been pure torture, pure torment because of what they've done. But Jesus, if you can, if you can be on that cross in pain, in hurt, and dying with a broken heart, and say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And he wasn't just talking about the people that tortured him. He was talking about you and he was talking about me. Father, forgive Isaac for his sins. And if the son of God can forgive me for my sins, how much more? The Lord's prayer says, Father, forgive them. Forgive their, I forgive their trespasses that they forgive against me. God, we've got to forgive if we want to accept Jesus's forgiveness. Proverbs 17, nine says, he who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. When you think about it and you replay it and you replay it over and over, it's strife. Luke 17, one through four in closing, mom, if you would come. Then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through who they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves if your brother sins against you, rebuke him or correct him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Lord, help us to do what Jesus did. As the light of Christ shines on your soul tonight through the word of God, through what you've heard. Where is the stronghold in your life? Around what hurt, around what fear, around what lie from the enemy have you allowed this wall to be built around. When you've tried and you failed and you don't go to God, where do you go in your mind? Because if, if when we face a problem, if when we face a struggle, 
and we don't go to God, we go somewhere. I'm talking emotionally. We go somewhere. Where you go is in the stronghold along with the lie that you have believed. What, what is it? Is it offense? Is it fear? The Bible says, give no place to the enemy. Give no place to the enemy. And can I tell you tonight, if you feel that your wall is a little too big and you feel like there's no way that it's gonna come down, tonight, I'm not telling you that your wall is gonna come down in an instant. Your wall might come down brick by brick. And guess what? That's okay. In fact, I think about Lazarus. When Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth out of the grave, he came out alive, but we failed to realize that he was still wrapped and bound in those grave cloths. It still took a process. In fact, Jesus' word says, loose him and let him go. Sometimes when we get saved, he sets us free, but there's still things that we've got to deal with. There's still things that through the living a sanctified life, living a holy life through the Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that God shows us some things that we've got to got to let go. He shows us some, some wrong thinking that we've got to get rid of. But the only way to do that is to counter it with the Word of God. We got to find a scripture that is the exact opposite of what pulls you down. And you've got to put it in your heart. Put it in your mind. Put it on a paper on your wall. Remind yourself of what God says. And I can tell you whether it happens in a moment or whether it happens in a period of time, the walls are coming down for you. Psalm 91, one through two, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him I will trust. When you have won the victory, and the enemy and the lies of the enemy has fled your soul. I want, I'm gonna try to explain something that I, I pray the Lord gives me the right words to say this, because this is something that God has given me an understanding. You see, when God sets you free from something, when God sets you free from addiction, when God sets you free from a sinful lifestyle, a lot of times what happens is, is we're ashamed of that, so we try to act like that never was us, that wasn't us. But see, what God would say, just like David, when the enemy was in the stronghold, when he drove them out, that very stronghold that was bondage to him actually became blessing because that came, that came his protection. 
David inhabited the stronghold. The sin was gone, the enemy was gone, but it was from that place that he could stand in that stronghold and say, God is my refuge. God is my protection. Guess what? I used to be bound, but now God has set me free. So when God sets you free, don't be ashamed of what God has done for you. Your protection is in remembering what God has done for you. The stronghold that the enemy used to attack you from the inside out, now you're inhabited by the Holy Spirit and the power of God. And so you can look at that stronghold and not remember how sinful you were, but how forgiving and how loving God was. Don't leave that place. Don't be ashamed of what God has done for you. Because guess what? Somebody else might have a stronghold that they're dying on the inside out and they don't know what to do, but they see that you have victory and no longer in bondage, but set free. And now God is your refuge. God is your fortress. When we dwell in that secret place, if you would, let's stand. Church, I'm here to tell you tonight, there is no weapon formed against you that shall prosper. The only power that the enemy has is just enough to try to influence your mind to think the wrong way. That's it. If he can get a hold to your thoughts, he can destroy you from the inside out. But for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Oh, that tonight that our thoughts will be brought into captivity to obey Christ. Your thoughts are to obey the Word of God. And if your thoughts are running rampant and you're not taking control of your thoughts, tonight maybe we need to say, God, clear me, God. God, forgive me. I am not, I'm, not, I'm not comfortable with what's happening on the inside of me. God, come in by your Word. Give me the strength to run the enemy out so that you can inhabit inside of me, so that your power and your word cannot bring death from the inside out, but bring life and peace inside of me. How many wants life and peace? How many is tired of, of, of hearing death? How many is tired of feeling turmoil? Tonight, if you want life and peace tonight, by the power of the Spirit, by the power of, the Spirit of God, just come down and cry out to Him. Just come down and cry out to the Son of the living God because He's here to help us tonight in Jesus' name. Would you come?